Hello, everybody. Chris Landry here. This is the Pro Football Show for Monday, February 24th. A lot to get to this week as here over here in Indianapolis for the scouting combines. The workouts begin on Thursday, but the meetings um, take place starting today, in fact. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll take place a lot of things that go on this week. We're going to get to it a little bit each and every day. And a reminder that, yes, we have moved the pro football show to five days a week. So starting today, uh, you're going to get the pro football show Monday through Friday. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do that. There's so much news that we wanted to do it. We just needed to work some things behind the scenes out. And we're going to be here for you. So we're going to take a little bit each day and talk a little bit about the combine. Um, you know, so we're going to get into all of that. Uh, a lot of things that take place. Um, and, and if you don't remind me, I'll explain why we ended up in Indianapolis. Um, and uh, if you've got a question uh, about the combine or anything else, send it to us uh, at LandryFootball.com and hit Contact Chris. So we're here. Um, we started the Combine years ago for medical reasons and medical reasons only, and uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. When uh, I was running the Combine, the media wasn't involved. Of course, we didn't have TV, and it was a little bit more functional now. It's a little bit more of a dog and pony show. But, you know, Indianapolis was settled in. I was telling somebody the other day that, we had regional combines before we started. I think I've got to go back. This is, I think, 85. So this is like 35 straight years I've been to this and ran it, as I mentioned, for a while. We had it in Tampa one year and Phoenix one year, New Orleans one year. You know, Phoenix and Tampa, while the weather is nice, uh, you don't know what the weather can be. We can actually have wind. You can have rain. And it's certainly going to affect the times and the workouts. So it's got to be indoors. We had it in New Orleans one year, but you can't have it in New Orleans because sometimes Mardi Gras falls in the same week. For example, right now this is actually Mardi Gras week back in New Orleans in the Deep South. So you have problems with hotel spaces. So Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis, you have the convention center, you have the Lucas Oil Stadium, you have all the hotels that have an atrium where you can walk into the convention center uh, and the stadium, which you're connected without ever going outside. So people say, oh, it's awful weather. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to go outside. So you get a lot done. Everything's there. Uh, there's some talk that maybe one day we'll move it to Los Angeles with the new setup out there. We'll see how that plays out. But, again, you have to deal with the indoor element and have everything centrally located with all the medical facilities because you can't be stuck in traffic or – waiting a long time for a certain x-ray or an MRI. So there's a lot that goes into this. Plus the other thing that made Indianapolis kind of an easier fit, it was centrally located in the country. So, you know, if you're from the East Coast, you're the Deep South, you're the Northwest to the, you know, uh, you know uh, the Southwest, you know, you you've got to go to the center of the country. So no one's going from Seattle to Miami or, or something like that. So you're going from Seattle to Indy and Miami to Indy, which is long enough as it is, but obviously it makes it a little bit easier. So uh, anyway, uh, a reminder again that we've got that not only this pro football podcast daily, but the college football podcast that drops every morning. So you want to check that out. Um, and we do a national college football show every day. 
and we combine it with a weekly conference show. That's right. How did we do that? Now it's really worked out great because what we're able to do is we're able to take the latest news and notes from around the world of college football, talk to you about it at the beginning, and then go into a specific conference and region uh, and talk about what happened over the past week within that conference. So we co- And there's just much more uh, to cover, much more programs to cover than there is in the NFL. So it, it is structured a little bit different. So we can cover the important things that we need to on a daily basis that's the most pertinent at the top, but then we need to make sure that you know the minutia. If there's a, a an innocuous kid that's transferring from or to or um, there's a coaching move or a, a recruiting nugget or film room analysis, we need to make sure that you know about it. If it happens at Wake Forest, if it happens, you know, at Clemson, it doesn't matter. We're going to have it for you. That's where we can get to that into the conference part of the podcast. So check it out. You can get to it by going to Landry Football's conference call. Sign up for it uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get it dropped to your phone, and you can have access to both the college show and the pro show. You can get it all there. How do we make this happen? Well, if it would not be happening for if it wasn't for our great friends at 401k Generation that are the sponsor of this podcast. If you got any questions on money management, investment inquiries, they are experts. They are the financial professionals, financial planning professionals that can help you make sure that you're on track to your financial goals, that you're making the right decisions to get your second opinion, to get your financial checkup. It's what you need to do. Make sure that you do it. They're licensed in all 50 states. That's what's another great thing about them. So wherever you're listening to this podcast across this United States, you can reach them and they can help you because they are licensed to do so. Call or text at 1-866-998-5879. Got a business or something you'd like to promote and you think we'd be a good fit? Let us know. Give us a buzz. Go to LandryFootball.com, drop us a line, hit contact Chris, and uh TJ will be in touch with you on that. Reminder, as you go to LandryFootball.com, you're going to notice our scouting season offer. What is that? That is our best offer we've ever had, and it is less than $5 a month for an entire calendar year. That will get you everything until you at the combine, all the free agent news and information, the free agent boards, the evaluation of players in the league by position, scouting reports on the free agents, uh, draft boards, draft scouting reports, recruiting boards, recruiting scouting reports, you name it. Everything um, involving the world of football, there is no offseason. There is more news this time of year. Our daily notebooks uh, that pertain to the draft, that pertain to recruiting, that pertain to college football, that pertain to the NFL, free agency, news and notes, what people are talking about inside their war room. We got it covered for you all at LandryFootball.com, and you can have it for less than a magazine subscription. For less than $5 a month, you can have access to your own scouting department. So check it out today. All right. We've got a couple questions we're going to get to pretty early, Richard, Kevin, with some good questions. The latest, the NFL PA 
did not hold a vote on Friday, so the whole discussions about where we are in the new CBA and the new 17-game schedule and um, having um, uh, an extra team in each conference in the playoffs, not done yet. Uh, There is a little bit of a mix between the players. The players, from what I understand, talking to folks over the weekend as I made my way up to Indianapolis and talking to a few folks already, and that is that the players are mostly uh, in line with making this a go. But they some want some tweaks. Some are not as 100% sure. So we'll see. They did not. They held off on the vote. The league would like to get something. I think the league would have liked to have announced something here at the Combine. Probably, or I shouldn't say probably, may not happen. Um, but we'll see. We'll keep you posted on that. Now, uh, what the, the NFLPA Executive Committee recommended to decline um, the, 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 uh, the proposal. Well, we'll see how this plays up. Players just need a majority vote to agree to the owner's current uh, proposal. It's a confusing process, but uh, we're going to see what type of clarity it gets. Now, there's some other things that are dealing with. Roster sizes would go up a little bit. Player punishment. So there's more to it. Than, this is what happens when you get a CBA. You throw in three or four things that they're going to like, and then, and then you throw in something that you'd like to get, get by them. And so there's some stickling points. They usually are. There probably still will be. We'll see how this plays out. We'll keep you folks on that. Um, the NFL has delayed the franchise and transition tag deadline by two days. So that teams can place their tags between February 27th, which is this Thursday, uh, and March 12th. Um which helps team navigate the salary cap with the CBA discussions being a big priority. So teams will be able to use the franchise and transition tag this season pending a new CBA agreement. So we'll see. Does it affect a Dak Prescott or Jameis Winston? More on Jameis in a second. Um, so we'll see. Um, the other thing that's in the CBA would allow teams to activate a third player off injured reserve in a season. Um, others include, again, increased rosters, uh, 48 players on game day with overall roster shifting from 53 to 55, an increase in practice squad sizes by adding two spots for unlimited accrued seasons, the ability for teams to shuttle a handful of players from the practice squad to their active squad and back without being forced to waive them, and a caveat that brings in a neutral party appointed by the NFLPA for initial disciplinary rulings. There are a number of positive takeaways in the proposal, but the greater um, war still feels one side in favor of the owners. So um, uh, the J.J. Watt and Richard Sermon have been two that have said this is not a good deal. So, again, we will keep you posted on what's going on there in the developments. Speaking Sunday, Jim Irsay, obviously hosting the Combine, um, denied reports that the team is working on an extension with Marlon Mack. Mar- Marlon Mack has um, not been all that productive, quite frankly. Didn't get uh, a whole lot that wasn't blocked for him last year. Um, the fourth rounder, 24, still young. We'll see how that plays out and what they do with him. The team still hopes to re-sign impending free agent Anthony Costanzo. 
Left tackle's been really good. Uh, 32 years old. Uh, he's considering retirement. That's 55 days ago. They hadn't heard anything since. I think he's leaning towards playing. Uh, with the opening market 24 days away, um, getting him done is, is, you know, is, I think, significant. And the franchise tag is an option for him. So, um, Ursi also said that all options are on the table at quarterback. Um, they could sign one. Uh, they could draft one. Um, they certainly like what they have in Jacoby Brissett, but I don't know that they're <coughs> committed to saying that he's absolutely the answer. But uh, I think they'd like to add something to the mix there. In my feeling about New England, they are definitely trying to get a deal done with Devin McCourty. Didn't show any drop-off in 19. Um, had not hit um, five interceptions. He created out near the top of the safety rankings. He's the defensive play caller, and they want to bring him back. Um, the tag is an option. I think they're willing to use it if they can't get a deal done. It The tag would cost them 11-5 if he's franchised. Um, don't expect some other news um, <clears throat> picked up here. Free agent J- Jerron Brown didn't expect to re-sign with the Seahawks. Uh, he opened up last year as a number three receiver behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. He faded in the second half. Finished with just 28 targets. They need to upgrade on Brown through the draft for free agency. Malik Turner uh, is another in-house possibility for him. The Saints are trying to get a deal done with free agent defensive tackle David Onimata. Very underrated player. He had a breakout year in his first full season as a starter. Um, I mean, they took took Sheldon Rankins, who's been in a sub-package player now, Onyemata's played over 50% of the snaps over the past three years. He's the anchor of the run defense, which is one of the best in the league. So they've got decent depth, but they want to bring him back. It's a priority, and you know, got to bring Drew Brees back. Drew's going to get his money. Taysom Hill's not as big a deal as people think because they're going to put a pretty high tender on him and keep him. But they got some other deals that need to get done. Uh, basically putting the emphasis on Onyemata uh, certainly emphasizes how important he truly is um, to this organization, to his team. Um, the Ravens are in talks to re-sign free agent Jihad Wart. Played under just 40% of the snaps in 11 games after coming over from the Colts. They like him as a hybrid end linebacker, want to bring him back, uh, and it wouldn't take a whole lot of guaranteed money. So expect that to get done. The Rams probably not going to bring back right guard Austin Blythe from what I'm told. He'll test the open market um, after starting at a multiple spots the last two years. They really can't afford to keep him. With Andrew Whitworth also a free agent, David Edwards, Austin Corbett are in-house options to replace Blythe. They can maybe draft one. The Rams are a team that's a little bit um, interesting to see because They've got a lot of money committed and not a lot of picks. There's not a lot of ways for that team to get better other than just internally. So it's going to be interesting. The Ravens are expected to put the tag on Matt Judon. Uh, that's how it's been trending. Uh, the contract talks haven't gone all that well. 
He leads. He led the Ravens in sacks, nine and a half forced fumbles. He was outstanding. He's one of the better outside linebackers in the league, grade wise. Um, they're not gonna, you know, they would. Um, he would. He would be paid sixteen point two seven million under the tag. Um, would they consider trading him for the right price? I think they would, but they're not letting him go. They understand his value, and at the very least, they're going to put a tag on him if they can't do a deal with him. The Bills aren't expected to re-sign defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. He's going to test the market. There'll be some interest in him. He's 27 years old, had nine and a half sacks. Uh, Wade Phillips, um, um, excuse me, with Phillips uh, not being back, Ed Oliver steps in. That's what they drafted Ed Oliver for. So he moves on. Jets uh, sign wide receiver Josh Dotson. He was cut by the Redskins last August and spent part of 19 on the Vikings practice squad. He's a low-risk flyer on a guy. Uh, you aren't expected to re-sign Anderson, can move on from Quincy Inua. So uh, we'll see. You'll see what he can do in the offseason. It's been uh, it's a long shot to make it past the final cuts, but we shall see. The 49ers are contemplating using the second-round tender, they tell me, on restricted free agent Kendrick Bourne. The undrafted Bourne wouldn't get the 49ers um, – any compensation on an original round tender, he'd make $3.3 million at the second round level. It'd be more cost-effective for the Niners to sign Bourne to a multi-year deal than lower his cap hit. Um, it's looking like the Steelers are going to release Ramon Foster. He's owed $5.6 million. Going into <clears throat> the, 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 a year in which a season in which he's going to be 34, that can save $4 million in cap space. Um with only one six in dead money. So, uh, you know, I think that with B.J. Finney as a free agent, uh, they may use the cap savings to, to re-sign Finney or uh, look elsewhere. The Vikings are open to re-signing defensive end Everson Griffin at a reduced salary. Griffin voided the final three years of the contract, but he may accept a hometown discount to stay in Minnesota after playing on a restructured deal last season. The Vikings have one of the worst cap situations in the league, so they have to get creative to fit him in. Uh, Steven Weatherly and Ifadi Ojanajo are the other guys that are in-house replacement for them, uh, the Vikings there. Um, you probably heard or read or saw, I think, on social media it came out, Ben Roethlisberger coming off the elbow surgery. Estimates he's at two to three months from full recovery, throwing a light ball um, uh, since he had the surgery you know, two, you know, um, a while back now. He's just eight days shy of his 38th birthday. A birthday. Uh, you kind of look at it and say, Philip Rivers, uh, Eli Manning is retired. Philip Rivers is in the last couple of years. Got Big Ben who's won a title himself. Um, coming off of an injury, you wonder how long he's going to do it. It's kind of a he's hinted at, you know, whether he's coming back or not. Not this year, but in the past. So, you know, you're looking at those three guys came in at the same time. It's only reasonable to kind of question and wonder how much longer he's going to be there. Um, so they were. This offense was a disaster without him. I thought they were so well coached to just keep themselves in somewhat in position last year. Almost made the playoffs. Good defensive team. You know, so much depends on the health of Big Ben, but they've got to look at their quarterback situation beyond him, beyond him, and figure out where they're going with him, or with you know, uh, 
after he's gone. But if Big Ben can come back healthy and perform well, Steelers are the team that everyone kind of forgot about that's a big-time player in the AFC this next year uh, chasing the Chiefs. The Texans' safety, Justin Reed, uh, his recovery is going well. Um, He's likely to sit out the OTAs, but looks like he's going to be back into camp. The Packers on Saturday sign uh, actually did it on Friday, and I think it got out. They, they signed uh, – actually, I think they did it on Saturday, and it's not going to officially go into Monday's um, official um, league matters. But they signed Mason Crosby to a three-year, $12.9 million extension. Uh, he's age 38. It's going to be – excuse me, he's going to be uh, – 38 when this deal is done. He's made 84% of his field goals and 96% of his extra points. He's been a big weapon for the Packers. Good get for them. Um, the Ravens um, signed Don Martindale, wink to a three-year contract extension. Their fine defensive coordinator makes him, makes him the highest-paid defense coordinator in the league. After the Marcus Peter trade, uh, Martindale's defense was among the best in the AFC. Had a 14-2 regular season record. We know they played to the strength of their defense and Lamar Jackson running the football. Um, you know, I think head coaching is in his future. So he's the high-paced defense coordinator in the league, and so good job by them and locking him down. The Lions re-signed Danny Amendola this weekend to a one-year contract. Um, this is expected after a rebound year that, Saw him just finish short of career highs. He's locked in the slot behind Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. But his targets are going to take a hit with a healthy T.J. Hawkinson returning. But with Amendola signed, they can turn its attention to extending Galladay. So uh, it's a good move for them, an underrated move this time of year for the Lions. The Bills' right guard, John Feliciano, underwent surgery to repair a torn rotator cuff in his shoulder after the season. Feliciano started all 16 games for Buffalo after signing a two-year pack last offseason. He's one of the, you know, graded out in the in the 30s, the 35 among the guard. He's graded out in the purple uh, out of 82 qualifiers. I uh, started the um, starting left guard Quentin Spain as a free agent. There's talk of kicking Cody Ford inside. Feliciano should be ready for the start of training camp. For the Vikings, free agent Anthony Harris is a candidate for the franchise tag. They haven't used the tag since 11, but they could be forced to with Harris, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Sheldon Richardson, all free agents coming off a career year. Franchising Harris makes the most sense for the cash-strapped Vikings. He would cost $12.7 million on the tag, considerably less than some of the defensive linemen where the tag number is quite a bit higher. The Browns? are definitely eyeing, uh, eyeing free agent right tackle Jack Conklin. Uh, they had some of the worst tackle play in the league this last year, did the Browns, from Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard. Uh, with Robinson not expected back, uh, they may look to sign Conklin and draft the tackle to revamp its offensive line. The Browns cleared $13 million in cap space from leashing uh, T.J. Carey and Eric Cush and Demetrius Harris earlier this past week. Um Harrison Phillips with the Bills hoping to return for training camp. He's five months removed from his torn ACL. He's likely going to sit out of the ACL, uh, of the OTAs due to the ACL. Um, the Bucks are, we know, trying to make some decisions on the quarterback spot. Long-term commitment to Jameis Winston 
probably not smart. Short term is going to be costly, not risky long term. And the reality is, still don't know if you can trust them. But um, they're trying to look at getting a two-year deal. So they're trying to get a deal which they can fully guarantee $27 million this season, which is would be the same thing roughly as the franchise tag uh, with a team option for 2021. It's not a player-friendly deal, but re-signing with the Bucks would allow Winston – to some stability. Uh, you can transition tag him, which would pay him $2.5 million less than being franchised. Uh, but it really depends upon, you know, the options that Winston might have, which I don't think are going to be plentiful. And then what are the options that the Bucks have at the quarterback situation outside of Winston? Not a big fan of Winston. But the other options are slim. Be interesting to see. But getting a deal, a two-year deal, where you can fully guarantee $27 million in the first year makes the sense because it gives the team the option and the ability to um, pick up the option after year one or not pick it up based upon how he plays. It extends it for another year with Bruce Arians. We'll see how that plays out and whether that's something Jameis wants to do or whether he feels like he can get more on the open market. Odell Beckham with the core surgery expects to be ready for OTAs. He was ready to run or clear to run on the treadmill this week. Um, one of the names you're going to hear getting big-time money at the tight end position is the guy that's going to reset the tight end market this offseason. That's the Falcons' Austin Hooper. Um you know, probably going to get guaranteed deals over the first two years of the deals. Uh, potentially could get franchised, but uh, I think we're going to see the the uh, the talks with him heating up pretty quickly. I also uncovered a little bit uh, of what's going on in the whole Bengals not signing A.J. Green, not committed to A.J. Green. None of that is the case coming out of the Bengals front office. But I found out where it is coming from. It's coming from A.J. Green's camp. Um, He would like to get out of Cincinnati. Uh, He doesn't want to be franchised. There's not much progress on a new deal. Uh, After giving Tyler Bard a $43 million extension in July, it's it's not a lock that they bring Green back. So despite missing all 16 games coming off an injury shortened 18, uh, it would likely take the $16 million that Adam Thielen got last year to get a deal done with A.J. Green. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out with his desire to move on. The Packers are really excited about Jay Sternberger, the kid from A&M that they got last year. They feel he's got dynamic playmaking ability. They didn't show it a lot this past year due to some injuries and the presence of Jimmy Graham, but Graham is likely going to be gone with a cap casualty, um, which could vault Sternberger into a starting mix and the receiving threat. They they think he's really good. So keep that in mind out there, you know, for your fantasy goers, but just for your Packer fans. Of course, the Bears made it official on Friday, releasing Prince of Makamura, parting ways with uh, Taylor Gabriel, which saves the team a, a combined $13.5 million against the cap with both of them. Makamura started 15 games for the Bears last season, 30 years old. Um, graded out, you know, uh, in the in the low-grade purple uh, 
sometimes in the orange, 43rd corner out of 133 qualifiers he's this past year. Um, you know, I think he'll still find work uh, and be maybe a number two, if not number three corner. Uh, Tyler Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel, excuse me. Um, look, the Bears had to either keep him on a two-year $14 million contract or release him with $2 million in cap money. With Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller already on the roster and a loaded 2020 draft class to find Gabriel's replacement, it was an easy decision. They'll slide in the low-level starter, you know, tier in free agent ranks. He's 28 years old. Gabriel um, will find work, but not an elite option for them. The Jaguars exercise Chris Conley's team option. He's going to return as a productive number three receiver for them. He did a good job, good move for them. Tyrell Williams is making progress with his plantar fasciitis issue. Um, so uh, that's good news for Oakland, hoping that he can um, make uh, his way back. And I'm being told that Alshon Jeffrey uh, might be interested in moving on from the Eagles, and we'll see where they go in terms of making their moves. 30 years old, coming off the Liz Frank injury, um, not going to be able to trade him given his contract. So we'll see how this plays out. But he has an interest in at least maybe seeing the options outside of Philadelphia. The Redskins are feeling better and better by the day that they can get Trent Williams to return to the team in 2020. It's been a focus of new head coach Ron Rivera, and we'll see how that plays out. He's currently set to make $14.75 million in the final year of his deal. And I think it's one that the, the organization will extend if they can make peace. So um, Adrian Peterson is one of Trent's closest friends, and he was uh, his option was picked up this past week. So we'll see if uh, that's going to continue. Impending free agent wide receiver Nelson Aguiar uh, is somebody that I know the Colts, we talked about them a little earlier, that is very interested. It doesn't look like the Eagles are going to retain Aguiar. Um, so we'll see um, with the reconnection with Frank Wright and Mike Crow, who are now there and very familiar with Aguiar. So keep an eye out on that. We mentioned this in our college football show uh, on our SEC football and beyond, but the Patriots have hired a very good young um, coach, Joe Houston, off of Alabama staff. Uh, he was quality control uh, for special teams for Alabama's Nick Saban. He's going to be assistant special teams coordinator for the Patriots. He's a former USC kicker, and he's a really good young coach and really works hard, does a good job. So congrats to him as he moves up. Bill's defensive end Jerry Hughes is expected to make a full recovery following his groin injury. Uh, he had the surgery uh, Thursday morning. So the work came out on Friday that was pretty good. Expected to make a full recovery. He's 31 years old. Um, he's uh, done a really good job, um, you know, in the defense, but he was not very productive um, with some of the injury bugs. So uh, we'll see if he can indeed make that full recovery. The Chiefs um, are going to retain Eric Bieniemy, as we said, and, and we talked about at nauseum on LandryFootball.com and on this podcast that – um, he wasn't going to leave to go to Colorado, even though it was his alma mater, uh, just simply because he is on the fast track to getting a head coaching job, whereas at Colorado, I think 
a lot of the luster would have fallen off a little bit. And finally, Bills coach Sean McDermott, I know, um, told me that he really likes Christian Wade. The second-year running back has been really impressive. He played well last preseason. We're talking about him. Um, He's the kid that is from the U.K., that transferring over from rugby, did a really good job on a practice squad. So we'll see uh, if, indeed, he can make the 53-man roster. A couple of questions I want to get to. Kevin asks, um, with elements of the RPO being incorporated into an increasingly amount of offenses, does there need to be a new combine drill to better test the capacity of defensive linemen? No, Kevin. Um, The drills that we put guys through are not to determine how a guy plays football. It determines certain athletic traits that are needed to play football. And the RPO is an assignment-based issue, not an athletic drill-related issue. There'd be no need for that. We've got everything that we need to cover the physical elements of playing um, defensive line, linebackers, uh, et cetera. Uh, Richard asks, uh, what are the things at the combine that has changed over the years when you ran the combine? Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more as the week goes along. But, look, when we had the combine, we got it for one reason, for the medical physicals. And then we began to do certain things, which changed over the years. It's become a little bit too much of a dog and pony show. When I was running it, it was strictly football. The media wasn't allowed. We got a lot more work done. The teams had more times with the players. Now we're giving up more time to the players to speak to the media, which, listen, speaking to the media is a part of what they have to do as pro athletes, but it is not nearly as important as doing the job interviews and getting to know the people in the league. So those things are not as good. It's a little bit more for show. Um, And to me, this is a job interview. So I don't – which change overall is mainly that. Now, there are a lot of different minutiae, which I'll get to. The drills um, are pretty much the same, but we've made advances in technology. Um, every year, I always, when I was running it, I always <clears throat> had different medical tests that were brought in to try to perform things. So there's a lot of things that we've done over the years, and I'm still on the committee, and we do a lot of those things now. As modern technology has improved, we can test things more about a player's visual acuity and uh, high-end coordination. Those are things that uh, just allow us to be able to do things. You know, there are a lot of things that are important that I don't think people realize. How the Cybex test really helps to determine the natural strength of ligaments and the likelihood or less likelihood that that a, a ligament could be torn, although it's certainly not uh, anywhere near 100%. It, there's a lot of things that go into it. And as I say, 99% of what goes on at the combine you never see on TV. And you hear the folks there talking about things which are not nearly as important as the things that you're not seeing on TV. Um, so uh, what was your assessment of John Isaac Jr.? Uh, John was – a cap guy. He wasn't really much of a football guy. He worked with the Bucks. He worked, of course, with the Jets. Um, he was more of a money management manager type of guy. Um, you know, um, 
his assessment and making football decisions was not very good. But again, like a lot of guys in today's game, they come from a non-football background, and uh, he was certainly one of them. How was your assessment of Rod Graves? Well, I've known Rod for a long time. I knew his dad. His dad was a longtime scout for the Eagles and really around the league. Um, Rod's really one of the good guys, worked really hard, did things the right way, worked his way up. Always had a lot of respect for Rod. Um, Richard asks, what was your scouting evaluation of Ricky Prohl uh, out of Wake Forest? Ricky was what you would thought. Ricky was very productive, had really good hands, sticky hands, could get open, really good route runner, could set up defenders, not great speed, very good quickness. Um, what was my evaluation of Ben Coach out of Livingstone? Well, I like Ben. Ben was one of my sleepers. He was a guy that a lot of people didn't know a lot, a lot about initially in the public. The football people did, of course. Had a great workout. He had good numbers, but a big guy that can run that was just a late bloomer. And he's a guy that uh, I thought would make it and um, hope he'd have good health, would have a good long career. And that's exactly what he did. Um, Richard also asked about my evaluation of Rob Nickovich out of Purdue. Uh, typical undersized Purdue rusher that was nifty playing with his hands down but was athletic enough and cerebral enough to be able to drop and do other things so he could play the hybrid linebacker um, down in nickel uh, rush from a three-point stance mold. Um, He was kind of one in a line of long lines of guys at Purdue that fit that same mold. He was one of them. And you asked me about Sean Springs out of Ohio State. Well, Sean was outstanding. You know, when he was healthy, he was a really good player, and had he been completely healthy throughout his career, he would have had a better pro career, could really run. He had pretty good uh, hip flexion, uh, but his speed was really good. Uh, could play the football pretty well in the air in a really good, uh, great course. Um, knew his dad real well, Ron Springs, which is um, was an outstanding, you know, running back as well all those years with the Cowboys. So, Okay, those are good questions there from Richard and Kevin. If you got a question, go ahead and send it to us over at LandryFootball.com. Hit contact Chris, and we will address it. So as we get into the week, uh, what is going to take place? Um, competition meeting, me- competition committee meetings, some other meetings related to the combine, uh, alternate position drill meetings, uh, a lot of things that we're going through. Just so you know what goes on at the combine outside of <clears> – <throat> The, the workouts that you see on TV. It is a convention of sorts. Everybody's here. So, as you know, uh, free agency is right upon us. It, it, in addition to all the front office executives, coaches, general managers, and <coughs> contract negotiators, which contract negotiators normally wouldn't be there. But there's a lot of meetings and discussions about meeting with agents about certain players because the agents have their own convention this week. So the agents have their convention. The front office people are here, and they're involved with their meetings. And so they're there. They have dinner, have a drink, whatever, and you have some conversations about said player here or there. And this is where a lot of these decisions are getting formulated. It's also where some of the initial draft day trades are being made or or at least the impetus of trying to – hey, get some further discussions that might develop into a trade come April on the draft or maybe a potential move with a current player, signing, what have you. Um, 
It's also the video directors uh, convention, the trainers and team doctors convention before the combine starts. Um, you name it. Uh, so every personnel director meetings, which I've, I've got to be into, or or um, uh, they have they have their their um, their meetings. So a lot of those things that are taking place this week, uh, in addition to the workouts, and of course the medicals are the most important. The psychological testings extremely important. The next most important. The interviews and getting to know the players are next most important. People will always question and wonder about the importance of the combine. And it is not as important for the reason people think. The combine doesn't tell you anything about a guy's ability to play football. What we're doing at the combine is getting the medicals. What we're doing at the combine is getting to know these players a lot more and getting deep into the psychological evaluation of the players, to getting deep into the interviews of the players, to get to know them and what's their ability to recall. And based upon that, we determine whether we need to do more work in terms of bringing him in for visits or go to visit him in their college uh, environment so that we can you know, do further evaluations of whether they can or cannot uh, do the things that we're going to need to do at the pro level to learn and adjust. That's what's important. We don't play football at the combine, and it doesn't tell you how good a football player is. The film tells you how good a guy was playing football at his college level against his relative opponents. But the measurables and the workouts do help us to ascertain the guy's athletic qualities that it takes to play set position in the NFL. And if you say, well, you know, a guy's football fast, a guy will only be as fast or as slow or as strong or as weak relative to who he's playing against in college. But by having measurables, we can ascertain how a guy translate based upon players in the past. Uh, a certain speed, a certain quickness, a certain performance in a drill gives us an indicator, just that, an indicator of whether a guy can translate. Because a guy may look really fast on film, but he's fast relative to who he's doing it against. Everything in scouting is about how a guy translates to the next level. So what you're doing by looking at the tests and the evaluations is to get a better feel for how a player will translate to the next level. And so that is part of it. We're going to get into more and more of that as the week comes along, but that's a big part of what we're doing here at the Combine. So... Join us again tomorrow. Reminder to check out the great folks at 401k Generation who bring you this fine podcast. Uh, they're licensed in all 50 states. Call Eddie at Rojas and his team of finance professionals or text them at 1 866 998 5879. Tell them that we sent you and they'll take good care of you. Financial professionals, uh, get yourself that second opinion. Uh, get yourself. Uh, on track to meet your financial goals and making sure that you're on the path to do that. Um, 
sign up for Landry Football's conference call. You can get not only this podcast, but the college podcast every day. And take advantage of the best discount we've ever had at LandryFootball.com. So uh, check it out today. Less than a magazine subscription. Less than $5 a month. month. Are you kidding me? I must be crazy. Um, But that'll get you uh, the best information, all levels of football, all through this scouting season, all through the draft, all through next football season, all the way through next year at this time. Recruiting, the draft, free agency, all the news and notes around the college game from inside the film room. You get it all at LandryFootball.com. Appreciate you joining us. Join us tomorrow for another edition of the Pro Football Show. Um, I'm Chris Landry.